This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors, host of ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Today we have as our guest, Charlie Kelly, to discuss what every bank director should know about bank technology. This is part one to two discussions with Charlie. Charlie is a partner at Remedy Consulting, which advises banks and credit unions on system selections and contract negotiation, as well as vendor management, mergers and acquisitions, and technology strategy. He hosts a thought leadership podcast for bank executives called Bank Talk. Prior to Remedy, Charlie served as the Vice President of Product Pricing and Contracts at Fiserv, where he was responsible for negotiating client contracts, setting products, and pricing strategy. All right, let's call Charlie. Charlie, we're going to do this in two parts, and this is part one. Some outside board members may not be bank technology experts. So we thought there might be some value in giving listeners a primer on bank technology. We want board members to at least understand the risk and opportunity that technology offers and ask the right questions of their CEO. So could you start off by describing the technology environment in a typical bank? Absolutely, David. And I, I think probably what I would say about it is, because I sit on a board myself, and, and as part of that, we don't talk technology because there's so much else on the agenda. But one thing I, I tell my the other board members is I say to them, you know, technology in the banking world is not as complicated as you think. And the reason I say that is because you as a bank, a person who uses a bank for their services really understands everything that goes on behind the scenes. You just don't know that you do. So if you're an outside member, think about it this way. Um, we th- we break up the technology that a bank um, usually has in, in uh, three or four different categories. If you think about a visit to the teller line or opening a new account as sort of your core system, that's that's the basis upon which a lot of this technology is built. So really the, the ability to run a transaction when you move money in and out of your account is your core banking system. Um, and then, you know, there are peripheral systems as well. So one of the systems we think about is, you know, has historically been called item processing. And item processing really is uh, processing checks between the Fed so, you know, basically moving money across banks if you've written a check on somebody else's bank and you're trying to cash it at your bank or vice versa, somebody's trying to cash your check, you know, that that's always historically been known as item processing. So there's a whole process behind the scenes going into, you know, just sort of the check processing piece of the world. Uh, you think about the use of your debit card or a credit card. That's another technology that uh, you know, for whatever reason, though, that technology has kind of grown up through banks in a different method. It's, you know, we, we think of it as sort of a different rail for, for processing a transaction. But item processing needs to interact with the core. The card system needs to interact with the core. Your ATMs need to interact with the core because each of those systems is running a transaction that just needs to, you know, somebody needs to debit and credit your account behind the scenes. And then probably the the other item, you know, just from a just from a usability perspective, probably the other item that I think is important that board members understand is 
you know, there's there's been quite a big push in the digital world recently, and that's really spread, you know, from a, from a, uh, a nomenclature perspective, right? We think of that two ways. Um, for whatever reason, the original technology that got developed is something where you go on your laptop. Um, you know, it's always historically been called e-commerce, but um, in the banking world. So, you know, there's there's a technology that is called e-commerce where you have the ability to get into your bank and use your laptop to do that. Now, that differs for whatever reason, and I think just because of the way the technologies were built, from a mobile app doing just about the exact same thing with less screen. So, you know, if you're thinking about that, your mobile app and your e-commerce, for whatever reason, have, have been kind of built on two different rails or two different platforms, but really you're doing the same thing. You might not be able to do as much on your phone, you know, there might be some transactions you can't pull off, and you don't have as as nice a screen and and the availability of maybe more space to you know look at all your accounts in one place and those types of things. But you know, really, mobile versus e-commerce is a technology I think everybody you know understands behind the scenes. So probably the only other thing I would say about the tech side is the majority of these systems are purchased from a single vendor. If you're talking about a community bank, in general, they can get all of these services from a single vendor and they generally like the the community banks generally like to have fewer vendors because then you have fewer contract negotiations fewer places you know fewer uh throats to choke for lack of a better term um and then maybe the last so so outside of the fact that it's it's a single vendor often providing the majority of these these services and um uh, you know, probably outside of that, I would say that the one thing that, that each of these folks should understand is a lot of times the systems are run at the vendor. So there's, there's you know, a, some terminology that we use in the industry, and one of them is called in-house, and that would be a system that is completely running at the bank versus outsourced or, you know, an application service provider type of an environment where, the system is run at the vendor's or at the vendor's operation. So, what in in a scenario where your system is completely outsourced to that vendor, you're really just running more or less a dumb terminal at the bank or the teller line to hook back into the the system that resides, you know, in the cloud or whatever, you know, however you want to use that terminology. It, it resides outsourced at the vendor's location. What that allows the vendor to do is run multiple banks in, uh, you know, kind of a common environment and have all the horsepower sitting behind the scenes. Um, so, I, you know, with with that, I would say that's probably the best description I can give you in a, you know, pretty basic scenario so folks can kind of speak to it at, a, at a, an outside director's level um, about, you know, just how you think about bank technology and what it, you know, what it really the way your CEO probably thinks about it as well. Does that, does that make sense? Does that help, David? Absolutely, Charlie. That was an excellent summary. Uh, I even learned a few things. Uh, okay. <laughs> so if if you were sitting on a board of directors and you mentioned you do, which is great, uh, what questions would you challenge your CEO with related to, to uh, technology? Yeah, I would probably say, and again, like, like we were discussing, it doesn't come up often. But I would probably say to my CEO, I would just make sure, I think most bank CEOs feel like they're locked into this kind of, remember, if you have one vendor, 
And these contracts with these vendors generally go five to seven years. So they're long contracts and they're, um, uh, you know, to some degree, that is not only your partner, but you're relying on them. So as a CEO, if, if there's a piece of the technology in there that you don't love, um, you're sort of running with it for five years, regardless of whether you want to or not. A lot of times also, if you're trying to pick up an additional technology, you want to pick up some widget, and I'll use, an, I'll use a terrible example, but um, if, if I want, if I, I have my e-commerce that everybody uses, and I want to pick up, you know, the little personal financial manager, the little pie chart that says, you know, David spent his money uh, shopping uh, for guns, and then he spent his money, um, you know, uh, he, some of it was on his rent, some of it was on whatever, right? That little that little pie chart that, you know, some folks think about like Mint or what have you. If I want to go buy that, generally speaking, it's not too easy to go buy it from a third party. It, it, it connects much better at your vendor, at your primary vendor. It is cleaner because they they want to sell you their pie chart widget, right, versus have you buy somebody else's. So they don't make it easy for the other guy to come in and just plop that into their e-commerce application. They make it very difficult. So you as a buyer, as a CEO, may not love every technology you're getting, but, but you know, because, because – uh, pulling out of it is so difficult. Um, you know, you, you really a lot of CEOs feel very locked in with the with the current vendor. Now, that was a very long response to a short question. Um, I think the, so. So, I would say the primary thing I would be asking my CEO is, are you comfortable with um, what tech? You know, the technology that you have, or is there anything you'd like to replace? That's probably you know primary question number one, and, and question number two is I think I would always ask them, I, I would want to know roughly when the contract comes up. Because with a, with a five-year runtime, if you're going to swap some things out, it takes you a lot longer than you think it would. So, you know, the and, and the CEO is a very busy person, generally speaking. He or she is running the bank all day long. They don't, you know, technology is not the highest thing on their list. Um, but if there are some things that really bother them, they don't feel like they can sell to their clients because their tech is not working the way that it should be. Um, you know, you as a as an outside director trying to help them grow the bank should, you know, always be asking the questions around, do you have the right ones and when does this come up? When do we start talking to that vendor about this thing? Um, Charlie, any other questions to help make our audience at least sound like informed board members? Probably the only other thing I can think of that might not be obvious to an outside board member is there's a direct correlation between the number of times a customer, a bank customer, um, uh, interacts with the bank, and what what the you know in the industry is known as the primary relationship, and I'll, I'll give you just a quick description of how that works. If if you have four banking relationships at four different banks, the one account that you have your direct deposit in, that you're doing your debit card transactions out of, that you know, you're using the online tools, or if you're not an online tool user, you're visiting the branch. So there's a correlation between the number of interactions and the the, the possibility that you have a primary account. There's also a correlation between having that primary account and how much you can cross-sell them. 
So what, what's important about that for you as an outside director is this. If for whatever reason, right, your customers don't like your digital tools or you're a customer of the bank and you don't love those digital tools, right, you might be doing – the bank might be doing their customers a disservice and shoving those customers to somewhere else. If you do that, you lose the primary relationship and you lose the ability to cross-sell them. So, you know, if you if you kind of think about the fact that they've got to love the experience and the experience today might not be in the branch, might not be, you know, going to visit that bank teller as much as it used to be. If they don't kind of, you know, either love the experience or use as many tools as possible, that could mean that they're shopping somewhere else. And that's, you know, I mean, from a, from a revenue generation perspective, uh, it's pretty important that, that that experience these days seems to be kind of the forefront is, you know, it, particularly with the pandemic and everything, right? People didn't even have the ability to get to a branch. So that tech is becoming that much more important. Well, Charlie, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And we still have some questions for you, but we're going to wait until the next episode to ask them. So thank you very much for doing this, and we'll be back with you shortly. Okay. Thank you, David. I appreciate you having me again.